Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Manuel Olomorin. Manuel is an engineer who has worked in the oil and gas industry. Now he is a marketer helping small businesses reach new customers on digital platforms and keep their existing customers happy. Manuel's superpower is that he's an insatiable hunger to learn and try new things. Why don't we join Manuel as he has a conversation with Sean Coates. Take it away, Manuel. Good morning. This is Manuel, and I'm here with the director of Western Canada of Workhouse, Sean Coates. He is an idea synthesizer, a connector, and he is a community builder. Now, he's worked at several startups for the past few years and has helped build the startup community in Toronto and now is here in Calgary, and we're happy to have him. How are you doing today, Sean? Very well, Manuel, and thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. All right. So today, we're just going to have a a conversation. And the first thing I found, which was interesting, was a community builder. And what made you decide to be that? It's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, community builder might be a bit of a buzzword or term like that, but I actually, I do feel passionate about it. Um, Growing up in Ottawa, I spent a lot of uh, summers working at a company that my dad had led, which was called uh, Callion. And it was a technical outsourcing and staffing services firm that worked with a lot of the tech companies that were coming out of uh, what they called Silicon Valley North at the time uh, in the late 90s. So working with your uh, Alcatels, your Mitels, Nortel, um, uh, Corel, all of those big ones when at a time tech was even a bigger employer in the city of Ottawa than the federal government. So I learned a lot about being in that technical space and what it was like for people to be hired, putting those projects together, the training that went into it. But I think working in a, in a recruiting environment, you get a sense of uh, pride and enjoyment when you get to see a person connect with someone and you know the end result there is a job. But just being able to make that connection, uh, it, it feels good. So I think from my kind of DNA growing up as a teenager through that and then going off to university, I've just always loved the ability to get out, meet people, learn their stories, find out what makes them tick and stuff. And then, you know, as people, I meet other people and I talk to them, I see these patterns or points of connectivity and I'll go, oh, you know, you should probably talk to this person because I know that they're doing something like that. And it's, uh, I'd say it's just been an unintended uh, consequence (laughs) really of of being in these different positions and stuff. And, um, but also, you know, if it's selfish, I'll apologize for it, but, (laughs) but liking to see when you get good people together. Right. Yeah. And and knowing that that has a, a great outcome and, and, you know, it gives it gives you a warm fuzzy at the end of the day. So with all the warm and fuzzy feeling, you went to work for Rakuten. Yes. Yeah, actually. So uh, after doing my uh, my MBA in the management of technology and innovation, uh, I really got uh, just charged on the idea of problem solving and looking at ways that we can do things better uh, in, in the ecosystem on a bunch of different fronts. And so Kobo, which was uh, founded by a great entrepreneur here in Canada, Michael Cerbinas, um, uh, really caught my eye as just this like fast growing rocket ship uh, based out of Toronto. 
And it was, it was really different because they were in a, a very crowded space when they first began. Um, and Mike, uh, under his leadership, helped us really pivot through some tough grounds. I mean, when you're going up against Amazon, that is the, <laughs> that is the behemoth. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you really, you get scrappy and you find uh, alternative ways to go. And I always love the fact that we opened up in a whole bunch of international markets that uh, Amazon hadn't opened up in, you know. And it was all on the predicated on uh, go where the puck's going to be, not where it is, uh, yeah. the, the famous Wayne Gretzky quote. And so uh, I, I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about doing uh, business in, in other markets. Um, the idea of customer success, even though I, I don't think the term had, had totally had, you know, made its way up into the Canadian ecosystem at that point in time. And just talking to your customers, knowing your internal stakeholders, being that bridge builder, and again, finding those those points of connectivity between different customers that you might have, you know, someone who's in the UK market who's struggling with this type of uh, marketing or conversion uh, on their website, uh, and then seeing where someone's having success perhaps in France or maybe Italy, those types of things, and being able to, to be that ultimate bridge builder uh, within the organization between the various stakeholders, that was, uh, you know, a really, a really fun time there. So then you took that experience and, well, I guess at this time, Rakuten was still a startup? Well, Rakuten had acquired Kobo. Right? Oh, okay. So Rakuten is, is, they're far from a startup. They're actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they are the, the, the sleeping giant that is going to be awakening very, very soon, if not already uh, here in North America. But um, massive company out of Japan, uh, Mikitani, who is their founder and CEO, he's uh, one of the wealthier people in Japan. Yeah. And I mean, they have um, a baseball team. They've invest, they own uh, Viber, a large uh, instant messaging software. They invested early days in Pinterest. And so uh, they're the title sponsor on the Golden State Warriors jersey. So there's lots of different areas there. And they run a marketplace um, in uh, the Southeast, excuse me, Southeast Asian market. So they acquired Kobo and looking to get their user base, uh, which was great. And so after that point in time, I mean, the original founders all basically made an exit after they had uh, transitioned the company over to Rakuten. Uh, and so... There was a bunch of us who went back into the Toronto startup uh, ecosystem looking for our next startup. Uh, I see. So from there, you went to Five Crowd. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about Five Crowd and the other startups you've worked for before you came into Workhouse. Sure. Well, actually, I, I love like uh, Five Crowd was uh, was an interesting experience. It was building a two sided marketplace for freelancers, um, and really helping to solve uh, some problems for large organizations, Fortune 500 companies that were dealing with traditional agencies, but a lot of the work that they were dealing was production level. And the idea that you know what you wanted, you know how you wanted it, you just needed someone to do it. It wasn't about ideation and, and being strategic at that point in time, they just needed yeah. execution. So the way you have that fullback that runs it into the end zone for the touchdown, yeah. um, there was a, a marketplace created by Five Crowd, which brought uh, freelancers uh, that might not necessarily have had those ins with some of the larger companies like, you know, the Johnson and Johnson's, the Pepsi's, Labatt's of the world and uh, brought them really high quality work. So it, it was a great opportunity, but we actually were one of the first members at Workhouse in the original location. And that's where I got to meet Adrian, uh, our founder. And so uh, it was being in a co-working space there that I really, it opened my eyes to um, the way work is going and, the, and what the future of that looks like. 
and I, when I was in university, I lived with six other people. So I, I understood communal living yeah. and I knew what it was like to, to be in a workspace, but also to chip in and help, you know? And, uh, I loved that. And I loved, um, helping the gang there and, and seeing the way that the social part, uh, of, of a workspace could, could exist because you see how much work kind of bleeds into your nine outside of your nine to five, so to speak. Yeah. So anyways, it was great. And then I, I learned a lot about freelancers. I learned a lot about the future of work on that side and the gig economy and people having a side hustle and people uh, doing great, meaningful work and maybe not doing it in a traditional sense or even in a traditional location. So that was really eye opening. And I got to meet some really great people across across the globe. Uh, they're very talented and and just finding new ways to do great work and, and have an, a, a very different but better, I would argue, work-life balance. So it was from there that uh, I then uh, transitioned over to a company that I had met with like just actually after I left uh, Kobo. And they were at a point in their growth where they didn't need me yet. They needed someone to kind of pure play sales experience. And I was more on sales operations and customer success. So but we always kept in touch. And then uh, when finally they got to a point in their growth where they were building out their customer success team. And they said, Sean, we'd love to have you. So uh, I made my way over to a company called Intellitix. Uh, where I was working for uh, a great um, entrepreneur and, and sales guy uh, in the the Ontario ecosystem, Eric Jansen. He's actually a, a professor now at uh, Western at the Ivy School of Business. And anyways, yeah, no, working with uh, with Eric and, uh, and the team there, we uh, were bringing RFID to festivals and events around the world. And oh, so if you go to events, like you'd go to Coachella or you'd go to, well, the old big one out here was uh, Sasquatch. Yeah. You'd get an RFID wristband and you'd set up a cashless account and you could put uh -huh. money into the account and then you would just tap to pay for things at the festival. Interesting. So it was, you know, you'd use that from a cashless perspective, you'd use it for access control. And then there was a whole bunch of opportunities for brand amplification that was done uh, from an experiential marketing perspective. So, you know, great data on how to lay out your festival, um, where should you optimize as far as your, your cashless sales are concerned, um, giving some great insights to sponsors that want to do activations. So it was a really, really cool company. But when you're adding RFID to a festival and event, you need a bit of a steward there. <laughs> you, you can't just have someone go and, and say, okay, here are your wristbands and uh, good luck. Catch you on the other side. Yeah. You have um, to get a, find the basically full Circle. It is. Yeah. yeah. So customer success really in that role was this combination of um, consultant and almost Sherpa. Like <laughs> you would you would be leading them up the mountain of building their event and, and, and laying it out and and, you know, them being experts on their event and yeah. you being experts on events with RFID uh, and, and bringing that knowledge and, and experience together. And, and leveraging it and helping, you know, these festivals really like kind of go to the next level. So um, I was really fortunate. got to do a lot of traveling. I got to uh, see parts of the world. And I mean, I worked with Lollapalooza in Brazil and San Diego Comic-Con, um, you know, and so, you know, it's just some fascinating clients, very different. Uh, again, more experience in the international business world. Yeah. Um, you know, putting a festival together in the Dominican Republic versus putting one together in London, UK versus Brazil, yeah. uh, all very different challenges. Um, and you, you just, you need to be able to find those points of connectivity uh, very quickly too yeah. when you're working with people because it's usually a short time frame, and you've got to be able to build and establish trust with them that, you know, 
they're putting the, the whole cash flow side of their business uh, into your hands and into that system. So you, you, you want them to feel trust and, and you want to you know, deliver for them. So yeah. it's a, it was you know, a great experience. And, and again, really learning how to, to build those connections with people. You know what I find very interesting? It's that throughout your career, somehow, some way, there's that connecting thread of you engaging in community. And um, it's interesting that with all those connections, that basically brought you to Workhouse. And Workhouse is really building that community of workers, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and putting them all in one space where magic can happen. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Workhouse. Yeah. So, I mean, I kept in touch with Adrian. I always loved what was going on at Workhouse. And then uh, like he brought Ryan Spears on as a founder. And uh, the two of them together really started to, to build out the space from its first, you know, uh, MVP offering, if you will. Yeah. And um, where co-working really hadn't taken root in the downtown of Toronto, um, both both uh, Ryan and Adrian uh, saw an opportunity there, and they said, "Well, why why can't there be a co working space that's on Bay Street? Why can't someone who's like a tech entrepreneur or someone who's you know starting in their own business be right down in the thick of you know investment bankers and lawyers and stuff like that?" And yeah. so they got that first space, and bringing it together, there was. Like just a huge demand and all of a sudden said, yes, I don't want to be out on the fringes. You know, I want to be in the thick of things. And so, um, you know, as new spaces opened up and I had some free time, um, I would always try and help them with some of their events, you know, and getting out and just, just chatting with the members and stuff and, and hearing about what they were doing. Uh, frequently I would meet people there who have ideas for businesses or might be coming up against some struggles and stuff. And, I just love being a sounding board, you know, sometimes having a different perspective. And some people would, uh, would, would chat with me about things like that. And, and I, it, again, I kind of filled my cup. It was reminiscent of those sort of early days, uh, helping out Italian. And so always had discussions with the guys saying, uh, it would be great to, if I could help out in a more formal way at some point in time, you know, and, yeah. and they were always recognizing that and saying, yeah, you know, when, you know, as we, it's a bootstrap company, right? We, yeah. we are, um, you know, just, I would say like a startup as well. I mean, we're, we're 16 people and uh, a company being founded back, you know, in late 2014, we're, we're still, we're scrappy and we're, we're moving along, but it, it has been great. And so uh, in the latter part of last year, um, the opportunity came us up for us to, to step outside of Toronto uh, and move into the Western part of Canada. And so the question came up of, well, what about Calgary? So that point in time, we we kind of really took a look at the marketplace here and said, well, yeah, obviously there's um, a lot of vacancy in the downtown core, but you know that's helpful. Yeah, but the other part of it was is like, what's the community like out there? Uh, what are those things that you think we see that we have good a grasp on in Toronto? Do we see similar things out there in Calgary that will be good indicators that you know the market is ready for this and that people would benefit from having a great co-working community out here. So we, we took those questions to heart and we did a bunch of research on it. So tell us a little bit about the research. I mean, if there's anything that's confidential, you can obviously no, leave that no, out. No, no, I mean, and but you, I, would, I would share this with anyone. I mean, as, as, as any entrepreneur, anyone who's starting a business, you really want to look at, okay, well, what's your market? 
right? What are yeah. the, what are the macro factors that are going on there? Um, do you know, like there's a tolerance for this, you know, is there going to be a bit of an education piece to it? Um, you, you obviously, you, you crunch some financials and stuff and you say, can I get from A to B here? And you know, what's the time it's going to take, but really, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, co-working is the idea of, of being, it's a, it's a community built idea. Yeah. And so you need to say, okay, well, what's the sense of community like? And I think, you know, as anyone who walks around Calgary for even more than a couple of hours, you, you get that sense of it's friendly, it's welcoming, and that there is a community here. Yeah. Um, I look at the presence of Lime bikes here and the fact that they're going to be doubling down on that. I look at the number of accelerators that are here and I, I see what ATB Bank is doing with their entrepreneurship centers. I look at the fact that Creative Destruction Labs is here. And I mean, you've got the University of Toronto, New York Stern, like NYU Stern, and then Calgary. Well, there's a reason they're here in Calgary. Yeah. There's great access to talent here. The academic scene between, you know, SAIT, um, Mount Royal, and University of Calgary, uh, and the work that they're putting into this. Like, all of those things are, they're showing ripe indicators for me that the community here is, is set to go. Then you look at, I mean, Calgary is what, the number three market in the world for artificial intelligence. You look at one of the fastest growing companies coming out of here, Atabotics. And yeah. you look at the access to talent here that is starting to retrain and is starting to pivot from uh, being in the energy space. Uh, you've got some engineers, you've got some geologists who they know how to work with a computer. And the idea of coding is, is being demystified a lot. So then you see Lighthouse Labs obviously getting itself uh, set up here with a satellite campus. And I mean, their students were, were demoing here at Workhouse, and it was just incredible. You had people who had never coded before, and 10 weeks later, they've got fully functioning Echo apps. And these are apps that the city of Calgary is looking to acquire. Oh, I mean, wow. it's like, that's, that's great stuff. And, you know, that's just one small little story and example of what, what is going on here. And so when you see that there's all these great meetups, you know, Startup Calgary is doing 80 events a year. Um, you see that like, seat is into retraining people and uh, like bringing out these like network developers and, and software network technicians, I should say, and software developers, yeah. right? You, you look ar across here and, and see that um, like big conferences are starting to come here. And like when you hear some of the speakers at Accelerate AB, you just, you get like pretty chuffed about uh, all the good things that, that are going on in Calgary. The next step is, is just really, getting that out into the public discourse. So how do we go about getting that into the public discourse? I don't have all the answers on that one. I can see it starts by just talking about it more, yeah. talking about it with people who might not be in the tech space, um, telling them about like cool things that you're seeing here because the changes in the energy world are never going to happen on a day over day or even a week over week basis. Yeah. Those are always long-term infrastructure projects. And as we know, it, there's no such thing, at least in, in my lifetime, that I've seen as a quick infrastructure project. No, I think uh, the last one and, and the most impressive is still the building of Maple Leaf Gardens in under 100 days. Yeah, there's very few people who I think would I don't think we'll ever live to see something like that in our, in our lifetimes. But yeah. um, so all that's to say is um, when you are reporting the news day in and day out, you know, and, and people are. are gaining content through social media and a lot more snackable content. I actually think the tech industry is wonderfully positioned to be providing that type of cool updates all the time. Yeah. 
I mean, I follow a great group on Facebook called Startup North and like not a day goes by where you're not seeing like something that's going on in the Canadian ecosystem at large, but we've got to start surfacing these great stories that come out of not just Calgary, but Alberta as a whole. Yeah. I think getting the media to pay a bit more attention when these gatherings and meetups are happening, you know, um, the coverage at, at AB, at Accelerate AB would have been great because when you see the, the people who are on those panels, these are great, successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. When you see the students or the small business uh, people who are pitching at these competitions, these are great ideas, world-class ones. Even the students that were coming out of the um, Mount Royal pitch competition through their uh, their innovation center, there's some awesome ones there. And they're not just tech. I mean, if you go across the, the 10th Street Bridge here, you usually see some people surfing on, on the yeah. boat. And that's that's a complete startup from a Mount Royal student. You know? Really? Yeah. I and thought I mean, those people were just kind of doing it for fun. No. Well, I mean, they are doing it for fun, but there's a business behind that. So, wow. I mean, and that's it. It's those wow moments. And those are those things that are accessible to everyone. You know? They are. You don't have to, you don't have, to uh, have a, like a crazy technical mind or whatever to appreciate good entrepreneurship. And it doesn't just have to be in tech. But what it is, is it adds this diversity and this robustness to the overall economic community, which has, you know, social impacts on top of it. Yeah. So that's why we need to talk about it. We need to get Calgary excited about Calgary again and the different things that go on here, because um, I think that's how you take away some of the risk when people go, oh, wow, there's a whole community at play here. Yeah. There's a whole set of resources here to help me if I do have an idea to take it from idea to opportunity. Yeah. And that's where that conversation needs to happen. Now, there's a community which you are a part of, Rainforest, mm -hmm. which is the goal is to do exactly what you're talking about. So can you tell us about your experience with the Rainforest group? Yeah. So uh, it goes back a little bit and I'll be circling back a bit here. It's just as part of the research um, for Calgary was the idea that we um, wanted to touch base with some people in the community before we came out here too. So a um, couple of trips that we took out here, we met with uh, Eric, who's a member of the rainforest through, and he's with uh, Tundra. And uh, he was a really great guy and very generous of his time when we first came out. And he talked about some of the cool things that are going on through their sort of accelerator uh, makerspace. And um, and Eric himself is, is a fantastic entrepreneur. He's got this great company, Budo Bros, um, which is, uh, I also think, a cool success story that should be talked about a bit more. Eric Allen, right? Yeah. 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 And so... <laughs> It's impressive. Uh, he very much is. And uh, a natural source of caffeine, I think, as well. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Eric um, Eric told us about Rainforest and and mentioned, he said, you know what? It's a, it's a small and intimate group, but it's a, it's a, a passionate one. And so uh, when I you know got feet on the ground and, and got my bearings here in, in Calgary, uh, he was one of the first people that I reached out to just to say hi again. And um, again, the generosity of time and spirit is, it was overwhelming. And he, he brought me there and, and made some introductions. And, you know, for the, a, a guy who's just recently come in from, from the center part of Canada to be welcomed in, it was, uh, it was honestly, it was really touching. And so uh, when you hear people speak about the, the social contract and stuff that's in there, some people I think can, they'll get a little uh, apprehensive or maybe get their back up when they hear the, those terms. But if you actually take two seconds and think about what it is, it just means about being a good member of the community, Yes, you know, yes. and the idea that, you know, giving back um you see someone struggling with something like 
be there to like say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to talk about your problem? Like what, what's, what's got you frustrated here? Um, you know, maybe there's things I can do to help, like just being a, a nice, helpful person. And I think, um, it, it's, it's more codified and it, it's, it's a little more structured, but that's really what it is at its core. And, you know, that's, that's not a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And it is something that, that the more people who are doing it, um, you get that rising tide that raises all ships, you know? And I always say that life is better in a dialogue than a monologue. And the idea that if you have a conversation with someone, if they're struggling with something, it even helps them to organize their thoughts. Because when you tell someone about something, you inevitably get into this, well, I've got to, I've got to organize it, right? I got to, how did things start? What's the middle and, and where do we need to go? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, a, it's a helpful exercise, which people don't even think about. But once they talk about stuff, they usually find themselves seeing a, a, like at least a path or, or understanding the cause of something. Now, considering you joined the Rainforest Group and then you became an active participant, right? <laughs> I, I, I guess an active participant, yes. Um, yeah, maybe a loudmouth schnook is also another way to describe it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, Mackenzie said there was an offer to help co-host. And so um, for me, uh, having been involved with, uh, you know, a lot of the events that were going on in Toronto, I would I would go to Hacker Nest in Toronto and, and TechTO, which is a really... Uh, just massive meetup um, that's really taken off there and understanding that, uh, yeah, it's okay to shake it up a little bit. It's okay to draw attention to yourself um, and say, Hey, like we're here and we're part of the community. And that's my goal is, is out here is, is to say, you know, yes, Calgary is an awesome spot. And this is how co-working can help enable the growth of this ecosystem. Knowing that you get these, you know, people who are retraining and they're going into software development or they're learning to to do coding in the front end or doing back end full stack development, things like that. Telling people, well, you know, you don't have to necessarily look for a job in Calgary, but you can still live in Calgary. Like you're now putting a set of skills together that are digital and they're skills That's that true. can that can exist, you know, agnostic of where your location. I know many people uh, who've worked on remote teams. I, I've, my the last part of my career has all been about working globally with people. And, you know, the idea that, yeah, you pick a place to live and you want to be around your friends and family, but where you do your job every day doesn't necessarily have to, you know, be in the same spot that you live. So knowing that and like saying like, Hey, we've got a spot here where you can have coworkers, they might not necessarily be the people working on the same project as you, but they're your yeah. coworkers and, the, and they become your friends and your, your network and your contact. And I think that's just so valuable for people as opposed to, you know, plugging away on their computer at home and eventually talking to the plants, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That can make people go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it quickly. is, but it also can lead to some stagnancy in yeah, your personal yeah. and your professional growth. Right. Yeah. So it, it becomes just uh, that much more, important to you to have a community to have people that you can bounce those ideas off of that are also working on something bigger than themselves so it becomes motivating you you get into it in a space where you've got people working on all different things but they're grinding yeah. you know they're not lollygagging they're not they're not strolling in late in the morning and then cutting out early in the afternoon like they're putting in some serious hours and that's because they're, they're passionate about what they're doing so it's almost like being, you know, in a room full of pace buddies, right? That are helping you run faster, you know? And so I think if anything, it enables professional growth at a speed you probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. 
Now, since you've you've actually spoken about this this topic, let, let's just use that to segue into the trends you see in terms of how we work. So you earlier you spoke about the gig economy, and now speaking about people transitioning from um, energy careers to more tech careers, or let's let's say they're transitioning into the digital economy, and can you tell us about what you see as trends, especially working for a co-working company, a co-working space company? What trends do you see with regards to work and what direction are we going and how we utilize um, spaces within a city or a community? Yeah, it's, um, it's great. I think we're, we're coming into this um, awakening now of... I don't want to use the word just because it, 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 in its truest sense, but everyone just sort of talks about excess, right? And and over uh, underutilized capacity and yeah. and what that means. And you've seen the rise of it. You, you see the fact that Uber goes, well, wait, there's a whole bunch of people that are already driving on the road and they're going from A to B. Why don't they pick up someone in the process? You know, I've got yeah. this house. I've got these rooms. I'm not using them all the time. Why don't I rent them out? Airbnb, right? Yeah. So. Those things, and, and obviously their growth and success is like, that's, <laughs> I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Yeah. So it, it shows that people are open to that. They're open to doing things differently than they have done traditionally. And I think the idea that you now need to sign a 10-year commercial lease uh, when your company is 12 people, like, you don't know what your growth is going to look like and stuff like that. So there needs to be things that continue to disrupt those old ways of thinking, those old ways of doing business and bringing people into an area where they can, they can focus more on their business. Increasingly, I, I see not even just with smaller companies and startups that just say, well, like, you know, I want to, I want flexibility because my company can pivot. It's going to, you know, not get it right the first time all the time. Yeah. So when you enable a person to have that flexibility to, to move and, um, you know, respond to the market uh, and make those adjustments, they're a lot more positioned to succeed. So, you know, where our model comes in and we say, hey, we're full service, right? We're not, you don't spend the time working on, oh, do I need to get you know, ink for my printer or, you know, get the internet up and running? Like, uh, do I have a person who's at the front desk that, that greets for me and stuff? You take that all out there and you strip that away and the time that that takes as well everyone forgets to value their time yeah that's a big thing you now have people who can focus on their business and grow it and i just i think in the traditional ways of working in the days past you always have things that were distractory that didn't allow you to get to that focus and so there's there's probably some businesses that didn't make it that probably could have if they had more focus they were around a community of people to to share and, and have those ideas and stuff. And I think, too, the nature of a co-working space is one that you get better relationships, like your quote-unquote work friends, even though they're not working in the same business so, as you, yeah. you, you become tighter with them. I mean, say you were working on a floor of a bank, right? You'd come out of your office and there'd be bank people all around you and you talk bank and they talk bank and you know you always had to kind of watch what you said bank wise because you know you know you don't want to say the wrong thing about the wrong person and stuff and so you know you, you had 
relationships, but how strong and tight were those bonds? Um, I, I would argue they become tighter in a space where you have a variety of different people yeah. and a variety of different problems and stuff, and you get diversity. The other thing about that is innovation nowadays. Everyone, it's like, how do you innovate? How are, how are we going to do things different? How are we going to disrupt? Well, one of the biggest key ingredients to an innovative environment is diversity. Yes. It's not having that echo chamber where everyone's thinking the same way, always apply, applying the same problem-solving paradigm, um, all having similar experiences and stuff. Uh, it's one of the things I loved, uh, even first coming here, hearing about the partnership between Safer Calgary uh, and the University in the Netherlands and saying, you know, how do we solve problems for Calgary, but bring a different lens to the table, Yeah, right? Calgarians are going to bring a Calgarian's approach to trying to fix some of these issues. Whereas if you bring in someone who can flip things on their head a little bit, look at them from a different angle, you're going to get a different set of opinions and probably some cool solutions to some problems. Yeah. And that to me is just, that's a, a sparkling example of why diversity is so valuable in, in solving problems, but finding the right solutions to those problems. Yeah. And I think um, really at the end of the day, the advantage of a co-working space is really that collision zone. Because I think about Steve Jobs and when he said to create a spot within um, Apple's building that people can collide and discuss different ideas, basically breaking down those silos. And if you're working alone or you're working on a project and someone's working on an entirely different project, uh, sometimes you could pull out some thing from a different industry and modify that and you create a solution for a problem you're trying to solve in your own industry, which is pretty interesting. And because our time is slowly running out here, we would, let's, let's pivot into um, Calgary and what you think we should do as a community to, to drive innovation within Calgary and also bring back life. I know you kind of touched on it a little yep. bit earlier, uh, but really what, what roles the government can play, yep. the municipal government, the provincial government and investors and we as a people, a community in general. Yeah. I think Calgary is taking a lot of great steps already. I look okay. at what the city of Calgary is doing uh, through Calgary Economic Development about um, trying to make it a, a welcoming place to do business. They, yeah. they're, they're trying to uh, take away uh, inefficiencies or slow down when you need um, uh, permits or processes, stuff like that. They're trying to make interactions with government as smooth as possible. I think that's a great starting point. I think um, the Calgary does a good job so far of, of trying to sell it as a very livable city. And I think we just need to continue to do that at a sustained level. Like it's a great city to live in, come here and live here, but celebrating on top of that, the technical infrastructure that's here, the access to talent, um, the willingness and hardworkingness of that talent as well. I mean, Alberta's always been a place of, you know, people who've been on that frontier, right? Yes. Even if you go back to like, you know, the, the ranching and the farming, um, uh, origins of the, of the uh, province and, and things like that, where, you know, people are used to like grinding up, rolling up their sleeves and, and getting the hard work done. So the idea of, of pivoting into tech and getting to something, you know, different and growing it here, uh, that's important. And I hope the new government that's coming in in Alberta sees that it, you know, diversification is not going to be a bad thing. Backing tech, continuing to um, pave the way for this to be a great AI hub, 
right? Inviting in some innovation on the health tech side and clean tech. Um, there's, there's, there's great opportunities for Alberta and Calgary as the great hub in Alberta to be world leaders here and drive that thought leadership. So um, it, it all starts about at the, at the individual level. You've got to have those conversations. Find someone that you don't know, that you know is not in tech and get them excited about tech. And just share with them some of those cool stories that are out there. Um, let them know that you know you're, you're meeting people all the time um, that are working on something bigger than themselves, and uh, they're learning and they're laughing as they do it, and yeah. um, they're growing as a person. And I think uh, those are those are big things that resonate. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and we get you know kind of one shot at this. So do do something that's going to challenge you. Do something that's going to make you happy and, and fulfill you. Thank you very much for that note. And um, yeah, we'll be talking again. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, Manuel, thank you so very much. I, I love the questions and uh, yeah, um, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Take care. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.